welcome back to the dark side of dino i'm your host tim and with my co-host tonight jb are you out there what's going on everyone not much we're back for another episode we just wrapped up uh, your three-part series on the origins of your story and i think people Mm -hmm. are going to be very interested in what we're going to talk about tonight you want to tell them the topic of discussion so as everybody knows that's following me that you know they think that what I got following me is, you know, dark demon or demonic entity. So in this series, we're just going to go over, you know, the four degrees of, you know, demonic possession. And, you know, the research that I've been able to do and the findings that I've found, you know, and how it would correlate with what's going on with me or any other case in that sense. Because you got to look at a broad spectrum, which is what I've had to do. Absolutely. So, you know, doing this type of research and, you know, sending it out and relating it to, you know, my story, I think would be, you know, give more context to some of the people who just follow the channel and stuff like that. Absolutely. So tonight's topic, it's a, uh, it's a good one. Exorcism. It's kind of the hot topic of today with all the movies out there. So let's... <laughs> Let's get into it here. All right. What's like the uh, history of exorcism? Did you want to get that far into it, or do we want to start uh, with what your research entails? So, I mean, I'll, I'll just break into what I've found. I mean, so... There's four stages, and the first one's infestation. But I mean, to give some concept, you know, contest of what I had thought into this, um, you know, possessions of any kind, demonic, you know, where an evil entity takes a hold of you and controls your shit. That's it, it. Doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's a process, and you know, it requires opening a door. Is what I've been told. So. No matter how innocent my intention was some at some point in my life, if I really do have a demonic entity that's following me, that's that's the very first stage as I open that door. Mm-hmm. Now, what I've learned through, you know, the Catholic side of it, um, you know, it's playing with Ouija boards, you know, attending conjuring, stuff like that, or, you know, committing a sin. And one of those major sins, like one of the Ten Commandments, you know, because Lucifer literally is a fallen angel. He was number two to God. So what I found out is is that, you know, over time, he didn't want to be number two anymore. And him and God kind of had the, you know, a fallen apart, as they'd say. And he took some of the angels with him that were, you know, loyal to him. So, you know... Satan came down and basically there's a definition of what his name is. It's like, you know, he's like the, the, the leader of them. He was an angel at one point mm-hmm. and the fallen angels that are with him are demons, you know, and those are the ones typically that will try to possess you, take you, you know, they feed off of sorrow or, you know, the agreements, I guess there's agreements between God and the devil it says if you commit one of these sins, then you opened up that door and you didn't even know it. You know, and 
that they have the right, the demon has the right to, you know, or Satan to, you know, take dominion over you for God. Right. And then like you were saying earlier that the, the devil or a demon essentially has to have an invitation to, uh, to begin the process of the four steps, which could be like Ouija boards, maybe seances. I'm sure there's some things we're missing, but you know, those are probably a couple of the uh, main factors. Right. Well, you know, and it's just, it, it doesn't matter how innocent our, your, your intentions are, you know, dark spirits can take advantage of, you know, any opportunity, even ghost hunting, you know, I've learned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to the 1900s, um, there's this guy, Father Gabriel Arma. Um, he was one of the chief exorcists for the, for Rome, of Rome. You know, and he died on September 16th. It was the day before my birthday. You know, and the, the stages that he has followed—it's just, you know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, and how it relates to mine. So the infestation is, you know, this is like a haunted house type scenario. You know what I mean? That's what you're thinking. That yep. type of stuff happened. Footsteps, voices, apparitions, you know, furniture, other objects moving around my house, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it directly don't affect me. And all these stages you know, are essentially to wear down the, the person they're trying to inflict their will upon. Yeah. You know, like a slow building. A slow process. Like yeah. a symphony, you know, going to a crescendo and then, you know, eventually wearing you down to the end when there's just nothing. Right. And that's, you know, that's, it opens up the door and that's, that's why I keep trying to tell people, man, it's like when you, when you're in a haunted house or something like that, and it's, going through all this stuff really has, you know, and do you think that really some, put perspective on it? For me. Do you think like it scares me to talk about it? Do you think some people are more susceptible to that kind of activity than others? Or is it just a matter of like perception? No, I think it it can happen to anyone, man. Anybody who extends really an invitation. So, some of the most religious people that live their life by God, you know, majority of them have been possessed, like usually comes from heavily faith people, usually. Yeah, one of the things that I was reading, um, this came from a guy that's uh, deeply entrenched in uh, exorcism, he said that uh, some of the people that are more vulnerable or more susceptible to uh, like being possessed by a demon are people that are burdened with uh, sin that haven't been to confession in a long time. I don't know if that's right. necessarily you know accurate or anything, but that's what he was uh, concluding in his investigations. Well, I mean, from what I've seen, a lot of it is there. There's so much involved and before they'll even say that there's any type of possession, you know what I mean? Like these guys are what a real investigator is. These are people that have been pointed out by the church that says, Hey, you, you go deal with this. This is real. This is what you do. And from what I've understand, from what I've been told, you know, I've went into a number of Catholic churches here in Colorado and here in Arizona. He said that, you know, it's, a lot of it's because you're not 
in good faith with the Lord. You're a sinner, but you know, it's kind of contradictory. Like I told him and I asked him this and I was like, well, then, you know, they're, everyone would be getting possessed because there's just not a lot of religious people. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me in my face and goes, why do you think there's more cases now than ever? Yeah, because, we... uh, you know, the higher up church, they don't want to call you exorcists anymore because it's bad PR. Yeah, we goes, seem but to, uh, there's a handful of people who are genuinely, this is their job. We seem to exist in a, at a period of time where it seems that uh, immoral is more the, uh, the thing than being a moral person. Right. And that was my question to him. It's like, you know, I've, I've done some shit in my life, but nothing no, abnormal, you know, nothing that would get me, you know, locked up forever. Nothing like that. I've, I've never done nothing like that. If I dabbled around in some stupid shit when I was a kid getting drunk in the middle of the country, <laughs> you know what I mean? We had the, the crossroads where, you know, that's where you'd go to sell your soul and even prick your hand and bleed onto a candle and you know, mm-hmm. like it, it was just dumb shit as a kid. We were all athletes, you know, we weren't walking around with black lipstick and fucking fingernail polish on or anything. It was like yeah. to get a rush. It was a scary ass four, you know, four way road. It came to a cross and it was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it didn't really lead to anywhere. And as far as you could see in each way, there was nothing but flat farmland. No houses, no nothing. It was in the middle of fucking nowhere, a pasture. Mm-hmm. And who's so it was like that, that allure, you know, like ooh, this is the devil, you know, like yeah. And who's to say that, that, there, that there isn't any validity in that ritual? It could be just like almost like a séance, you know. You you cut your hand, you're walking in a direction that's dark, you're bleeding on the ground, and every step you take is taking you further away from this world into the unknown. Uh, and you you just never know, man. Man, you open up a door. But, you know, when I was telling them that we'd do shit like that or play with Ouija boards, which I am convinced that that is bullshit, but he looked at me and he goes, the power of those things, he goes, it's through thought. He goes, it's essentially almost like doing the seance. He goes, you're intentionally trying to reach out to something that you don't know what you're doing with. Mm-hmm. He goes, and, uh, uh, they don't believe in ghosts. You know, that's, he, he flat out said that. The good go to heaven, the bad go to hell, the demons are demons. You know, the devil's the devil. That is it. You know, and I've, I've seen some people in the comments saying, oh, well, no, it, it, it's in direct contradiction to your belief to think that, you know, only God exists and he only takes good people. He does not forgive everybody or there would be no need for the devil. And if the devil don't exist, neither does your God. Yeah, I don't think like, you can live a life of of absolute sin and then on your deathbed you, you know, confess your sins and then accept Jesus and then all's, you know, all's forgiven. I don't think that that's the case at all. No, and if you talk to any orthodox priest or, you know, like the, they live their life by God. This guy was an ordained priest through the Vatican. He was, this is a big church. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's it's funded through the Vatican. And like he was saying, he was very specific. He was like, you need to come to church. You need to confess your sins. You need to repent. And you need to go figure out why this is attached to you. So when you see all these videos on YouTube and they're like, oh, we're paranormal investigators, you're not investigating anything. Mm-hmm. You're doing exactly what a priest would do without the proper knowledge. Priests come in with doctors, you know, and heart monitors and 
all kinds of equipment, witnesses. They don't go on there with fucking cameras. Right. They go in there with a, a little kit of, you know, the rosary, their prayer cloths, you know, crosses, holy water. It just depends. It's not like they just walk right in there and, you know, oh my God, you're possessed by the devil. It's a fucking process. Right. Like it's a long process. Sometimes years before they can get approval even though that priest may be like hey this definitely is not normal it still is going to convince the church to grant that because in real possession cases it opens up a lot of people to harm (laughs) literally like put you in jail type shit and how are you going to prove it Right, and there's like a checklist of things that they've got to go through, like a psych eval, like medical evaluation, like all kinds of things, because like devils and demons will make you think that you're crazy, and then there's actually people that are really crazy, so there's like a whole like mental evaluation that's outlined in, I think it's called the DSM-5. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just not like a thing that, you know, happens overnight. And even priests got to prepare themselves. I've, you know, I've read stories about how before they go to an exorcism, they've got to go confess their sins to somebody else and, you know, pray mm-hmm. on things and basically, you know, try to, you know, get ready for what they're about to face. A war, you know, and it takes a long time to investigate what happened, what caused that to come. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you got to have the person one be extremely open to it. You know, and be able to reach down deep and be like, "Oh, okay, well, I did this." Yeah, because just because they're you know, a priest, something bad that I may have done, and you got to try to relate it. You know, yeah, just because they're a priest doesn't mean they're immune to possession themselves. So that's why they've got to basically uh, safeguard themselves before they can try to help the inflicted. And that's where the doctor comes in. Because you, I mean, even a crazy person can fuck you up. But I mean, when you're dealing with another realm that's not supposed to be there in most people's eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean, essentially, he's opening that door intentionally, just like the person who, you know, got infested by it. Right. And how hard would that be to identify, like, like a demon talking to you and then just voices in your head? That would be probably very difficult to uh, determine whether you're just crazy or whether you're possessed. Well, in, in, and that's part of the psychological aspect of it because people have been known to speak in tongues. They have been able to, you know, some people have some type of memory, I guess, where they've seen something one time or have heard it and they've been able to repeat it. I mean, if you look into all the psychological aspects of it, they have an excuse for everything. They literally have some reason why that that, should be happening or how it could have happened well there's another case where this happened and this has ended up with a b it all relates back to medicine yeah I think so they got to go on being like a skeptic first i would imagine even though their religion is deeply steeped in like you know mystic and lore and you know saving people yeah well and like the guy was telling me he's like literally he goes one percent of the cases end up being an actual demonic possession mm-hmm we can prove because like there's a lot more than that that we can't positively do it whether the family isn't on board with it the you know the the, the individual that's possessed quote unquote um has to be a willing partner i mean that's it you have to fight it you have to help them push it out you know and they're there to find out who it is they identify it 
communicate with it, you know, and it all starts with the psychological aspect. One percent of those actually make it through all the way to the top, and then the permissions granted. One mm-hmm. percent—that's that's enough for me. You know, and you, we all know that mental illness is a real thing. Oh, know, but if you look through our other podcasts with Diner with the Devil, all of those people that have had experiences like me all have one thing in common: some sort of mental illness. And he, he said that's not, you know, an uncommon thing. It's like, but you know, a lot of people who do have mental illness that door opens up a lot quicker than people who doesn't or they're drug addicts, you know, and I think that addiction and all that, that's, that's a mental ailment. In my opinion. It really is. Do you think people that people who suffer from depression, do you think like traumatic experiences fall into that category? Like people that may have been like sexually abused or assaulted or just, you know, abused in general. It would have to, man. That would fuck with anybody's head. Mm-hmm. PTSD is a, a condition. You know, that's a it's a disability. So yeah, I think that you know a lot of those have opened up, but then I think that there's a lot of people who put too much faith out there. You know, that open themselves up even more because their faith is so heavy. You know, it's like okay, this is an easy target. It's like a wounded gazelle. Yeah, one of the things that the one of the priests that I was watching said that he said that fear and faith cannot coexist. So well, like fear is fueled by the devil and demons and faith is, you know, fueled by God and love and those two can't coexist together. No. But I mean don't you think that everybody has a little bit of skeleton in their closet? Oh yeah, there's nobody it's uh, free of sin. I mean, the only person that was essentially perfect and walked on water was crucified, exactly. you know, and yeah. none of us are, are, are without guilt or sin. And what's that famous, you know, passage that's in the Bible that he who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, none yeah. of us, none of us can pick up a stone. Nope. But I, I just, you know, it makes me wonder thinking about, type of cases that I've read about that you've read about don't you think that they all do share that one common trait oh absolutely you can definitely see that there's a connection with like trauma traumatic uh, experiences mental illness all kind of feeds into uh, the ideal candidate for possession right or psychosis you're Mm -hmm. you're really out there because when I first started thinking it man it was like all right (laughs) There's shit going on around me, and I, I, I'm literally socially imprinted that that you know that's you don't talk about it. You know, like those super religious people, like take Tim Tebow for example. The dude loves God. Everybody gets it. You know what I mean? But he always talks about it. I just give thanks to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, he said that shit all the time, and he preached his way right out of the NFL. Yeah, they used to criticize him for his like end zone celebration where you get down on one knee and pray, and it's like and pray, yeah. Really giving the guy a hard time for that, you know, you should probably be evaluating the fact that he's not a very good quarterback, not what his religious beliefs or his faith is. Right, you know, and in in his mind, people think he's nuts for that. 
I didn't you know think what I mean? Nuts. Like he's, he's fucking crazy. This guy sings Jesus songs. You know, he's one of those super Christians, a really good person at heart. Uh, I mean, if that shows you the level of belief in anything anyway, you know, you have the people who believe in God, you have the people who don't. And, uh, you know, but it, when you have something that goes like that, think about how crazy you would look coming out and saying, hey, I got this thing happening over here. It's not quite like what this guy, guy's got going on. You know, it, it gives you that, that sense of like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. It, this shit's happening to me and I have no one to talk to about it because they're going to look at me like Tim Tebow. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, he's of... one of those guys, you know, and that makes it worse. It fucking makes it worse because you don't have an outlet to talk about it and you internalize it, which in my opinion, in my experience, the more I bottle it up and the more I try to push it down, the more it starts to amp up and the more it starts to come out. That's kind of the default notion if you were to talk to somebody about possibly being possessed. Of course, they're going to think that you're crazy first and foremost rather than the latter. Been on medicine since it all started. One of the first things I did is went and seen a psychiatrist and I take the same pill to this day. Yeah, and possession is not something that can be uh, uh, cured with uh, pharmaceutical methods. No. Once it's there, it's there, man. That's what I'm trying to say. And I don't, I, I just, after learning all this, you know, the stages we're going to get ready to go through, the infestation part has been around with me for nine years now. Nine years. And that's, you know, if, if that many of comments, hundreds of thousands of comments are telling me, you know, this is attached to you, that's demonic, the smells, and the the videos that people who analyze my shit say, like all road leads to infestation. But, you know, if it, it, imagine if I've been able to go nine years with just uh, that aspect of it, what's holding it back? Mm-hmm. Because I have all the classic air months. I don't believe in ghosts anymore after, you know, talking with some of these priests and, you know, and there's exorcism in pretty much all religions. So it it can't be something that, you know, one person made up. It's not like, oh, I put my hand on you and those guys start going into seizures because the power of God went through my hand into your body. Like, that's fucking insane. That's that's nuts. Yeah, those people that watch the, like, televangelists and think that that's real, uh, they're mistaken because that's not real, like, exorcism or divine intervention at all. That's just people trying not to not divine you anything. Yeah, it's fucking stupidity. They're just trying to scam you out of money on those televangelist shows. Essentially, that would be demonic in my opinion. To take advantage of people like that to that level—that's that's evil. Because the mind is very fragile, and some people's minds are a lot more fragile than others. So, in my opinion, that is an evil person opening up doors for a lot of people have a lot of bad shit happen to them. What? And, and from what I've learned, you know, and when you hear about these scary haunted houses, it there had been something with all of the stories that I've heard that were that had pretty good validity behind them from pretty reputable sources. Moving didn't get rid of their haunting. Mm-hmm. Never has. 
you know, these people who go into that house, maybe it came in, it came out, but there's somebody in that house that it, it wants, <laughs> you know, it's not, I it just, ghosts aren't what we think they are. Yeah, and, sp- and spirits and ghosts don't possess you. They don't have that capability. It's only uh, demons that can do that uh, particular thing. I, I just, I, I think all of it, all of it is leading towards that. I, I think that it's a many disguise type thing. You know, um, you know, doors opening. It's, it's all the classic first steps of you know, a possession. So I don't, I don't necessarily think, oh, well, that's just a a lonely old soul. It's like, you know, I've heard of purgatory. That's where you're stuck in between. That's like people kill themselves and stuff like that. They're stuck in purgatory. But I don't imagine that that can come in and out of the physical realm. I think that's a punishment. (laughs) Kind of like more fucked up than going to hell because when you're there, you know you're there. You know what I mean? Like, and why does it have to be misery all the time? I think that people associate that type of stuff with what they see in movies when the reality is much more, you know, sinister, you know, and there's a lot more emotions and stuff that people go through. People watch that shit to scare them on the TV. Now imagine having to live that show in real life and how it makes you feel when you had to watch it while it was on TV. Right. And demons. That's what sucks. Demons are never truthful. They're always going to be deceptive to try to, you know, get you to invoke them. Whereas to where a priest is trying to revoke their invitation later on once uh, you've been possessed by whatever was trying to disguise themselves as maybe a lost family member or somebody you once knew. Yeah. I I mean, again, it's, it's in your head. It a hundred percent is as you and I have talked about manifestation and stuff like that. It's you really have to have opened that door, man. And it's a door. And it's once you let Pandora out of the box, I don't ever think that it goes back in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really don't. You either fight it off, and you don't even know you're fighting it. There's no way you could possibly know that you're you're, you're fighting it because anybody that. <laughs> you would have come in and help you, you think are just as crazy, if not crazier than you are. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels. It literally tricks your mind to shutting down and not being receptive to take help because you're like, I'm really going through this now. These people are taking advantage of it and fuck this. You know, that's how it makes you feel in real life. You're, you're literally standing there going, how much fucking shit do I have to go through with these fucking people, you know, and have someone come and pray over me and splash me with water. It would probably piss me off. Like it would just, it makes me uncomfortable thinking about it. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm going to lay down and let you pray over me, you know, and let you like yell and scream at me. But I mean, imagine how that would make you feel if you're not at that stage yet. Right. So unless you have somebody who's legit and from the the big dogs, how would you even go about that? And that's that's what I've learned. That's what that priest was telling me. He's like, Jared, he's like, a majority of people would look how this type of stuff's done and just think that, you know, you're some religious nut. Because so, you know, a lot of possessions just run their course. 
and then suicide end up in self-destruction. Like, you know, it's, it's bad just because they're, they're not willing to let it go because they don't believe it themselves. Yeah. And manifestation of the mind is a real thing. Like even in non movies about exorcism, like the matrix, when he, uh, Neo asks uh, Morpheus about, so if I die in the matrix, do I die in real life? And he said, you do because your mind makes it real. And when you deal with something for nine years and you don't, you don't know how to really deal with it because you even look at it like, what the fuck? Are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just listening to you. (laughs) They like it when you talk rather than me. (laughs) I I just heard a ding. (laughs) No, they like it when you talk. So I try to do minimal interruptions. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I've, I've shut down on that, you know, just having him sit there and was like, oh, I want to pray with you. And I'm looking at him like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's how most people feel. It's an uncomfortable situation. And I think that that's another part of it. I really do. It's, when it's I don't think it's called infestation for a reason. Like, you, you shut your mind down like this can't be happening not have tripping and then when you know it's still happening you're still in disbelief like oh my god <laughs> like, you it never it never gets better it never gets worse it's still the same feeling it's uh it makes you sick and you, you literally like get it's, ill it's like a build-up you know? too right you you start hearing like little things that kind of builds up into uh, something much much larger or much louder yeah, I mean, or it just comes out straight out, hard and heavy, and then tapers off. It's never consistent. It's never the same twice. It's never in the same place. Well, I know, you one know of what the, I mean? There's one of the methods that they consistent. use to uh, verify uh, possession. Was, uh, I was listening to one of these uh, guys that does exorcisms. He said that uh, like he'll go visit this person who's supposedly inflicted multiple times, and sometimes he'll put like holy water in their drink to see if they react to it. And then like two or three times he won't do it. And it's, it's, that's one of the best methods to verify whether the individual is possessed or not. Cause they'll react the one time he does it, not the other three times he doesn't. But if somebody does it, you know, every time in a row, then they know that there's something more on the mental side rather than the possession side. Right. Or as people trying to get attention, like a lot of people do a lot of weird shit to get attention. I mean, just go online and, you know, this subject's one of them, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's, I mean, loneliness. It's highly controversial do. and just like religion, like there's so many different beliefs out there. It's, it's which one you pick. It's a roll the dice. Yeah. Loneliness will lead you to a lot of, uh, you know, crazy things that you would never do. Just being lonely, you'll, you'll fall into any kind of like cult or ritual or bad group of individuals that'll they'll lead you astray for sure right anybody will show you attention <laughs> you know you just got to hope that person that you're latching on to has good intentions i think we're all a little dependent on somebody at from time to time you know yeah. i think anybody i think everybody should have somebody talk to you if not go get a job yeah you know too trusting. force yourself to do it yeah too trusting sometimes thinking everybody has good intentions is not always the best policy right 
And, you know, the way, you know, the religious tries to paint for you is that, you know, evil's lurking around every corner. Right. Not even uh, the church has great intentions with all the kind of uh, encounters with, uh, you know, the sexual deviants that are in deep within the church. Well, there's a, you know, supposedly a demonic temple under the Vatican. Why would you need that? Mm -hmm. Why would that be there? Weren't we talking about the pictures of that temple that they recently built that looks a lot like a serpent's head? Yeah, that that giant mural painting. Mm-hmm. And that it's like wood. It's like why would they build that? Because anybody who has read the Bible knows the story of original sin with the you know the serpent telling Eve to eat the apple, and that's where you know our fall from grace began. So why would they build a temple that you know reflects a serpent's head? Well, and that's, you know, that's part of where the deal was struck with God and the devil was because of Adam and Eve. You know, I mean, it it was the first sin, and then it just starts to snowball. It's almost like God let go of the wheel and we fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we needed Jesus to come and die for all of our sins, apparently, and then we just keep fucking up. So my question is, is, you know, why would I have to pay for something that you know somebody did that long ago you know it's it and then you start feeling like that you know just talking to people about it in general is like trying to talk to somebody about that your day is like a church really think about that people who listen to this go out to work and be like you know what i went to church on sunday and you know just give a story about church we go to church just to a random person at work and see how they react to you Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, one of the best, like, indicators is, you know, if you get a gut feeling that's, that's not good about somebody, you're probably right on with your, your feelings about that. Because to believe that the church isn't, like, infiltrated with people that are have ill will towards humanity, just kind of like how governments have been infiltrated with people that don't have your best interests at heart, that's, that's a real thing. You just got to keep your eyes open. And if you've got a gut feeling that's telling you something's wrong, you're probably right on with that gut feeling. Right. Something makes you sick. Absolutely. You know, just, it, it, it's hard to think about what you could have sinned when you've sinned so much. Mm-hmm. And it's what, you know, what I would consider a normal activity. Other people would be like, oh my God, I think that's, like we were alluding to earlier, it's all in the eye of the beholder, really. I think that, you know, you start going through stuff like this, I, don't, I just, I don't see it being a family member. I don't see it because I was specifically told that evil takes many forms. Yeah, do you think it's like a lineage type of thing, like family history, or do you think it correlates with like maybe um, reincarnation? You've lived a, a life of sin before this, and now you're paying for it in another life. I don't know if you believe in any of that. Yeah, I I just think that the opening the door is something that you do that's unintentional. You know, sometimes people try to open it on purpose and it don't work. Like I think in my case it was it was something minor that I did that I thought it was a joke. You know, or it's like, Oh yeah, fuck it. You know, you get a little cheap thrill here or there, you know, I mean whatever it's 
you have to open that door. And once you do, it's very hard to close it. Yeah, and any priest will tell you that, you know, opening the door is easy, but closing it is almost impossible. Right, because you don't allow yourself to. Because you start to feel dependent upon it because you want to hold your pride. You want to hold that internal and you don't want to, you don't want to be like, oh, okay, because, I mean, seriously, how many people would open up to that and be like, you're right, let's pray together. Like, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, it's like, and I, I came from a family that are very religious, and it's just, you know, it, it almost feels like it doesn't want you to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's crazy. <laughs> just like people watch our videos and, you know, and look at it and they roll their eyes like, yeah, right, whatever. It's, it's no different than somebody coming up to you and, you know, ask you, thank God for waking up today. You're like, what the fuck? You know, like, it, it, it's the same feeling. You guard yourself, and those guards are so thick, I think it's a barrier that some people just can't tear down. I can't. Right. There's always going to be believers and skeptics. There's just there's just no way. On any topic, you're always going to have people that are hardcore believers and other people that are hardcore skeptics. There's just no way to please everyone. Well, and it, it, it at what point though do you stop? You know, you you give in and you do the shit that's white outside of your realm, but you you do it because you have no other choice. You're just like, All right, fuck it, I've had enough, I'll try it at this point, but you still aren't open to it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. One of the things that um really concerns me about like the rights of exorcism, the original rights were uh came out in 1614 but then were changed recently in 1999 so my thought is were those original rights too effective that they had to water them down with like a revision because maybe they don't call lot it's called laws now yeah maybe they don't (laughs) you know what i mean like there's real life consequences that you know they're like you can't hide behind this curtain anymore like I'm and just that's, wondering that's if those... what he was telling me it's it's bad PR that they don't even call them exorcism. I'm just wondering if those original rights were too powerful, and they, you know, whoever infiltrated the church wanted them watered down to where they're not as effective as they once were. I mean, that's just a theory. I could be, you know, a conspiracy theory on that, but I just think it's funny how what is that like 200 and almost 300 years of rights, and then they all of a sudden just revise them. I think it's like surgery. <laughs> the more you learn about something over two or three hundred years and doing it one way forever and it's not working, I think it's time to change the playbook. Like evolution, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, look how far we come. <laughs> well, didn't they use... In re- that amount of time. Didn't they use religion and the rites of exorcism to like identify witches in the Salem witch trial? Or was that... Exactly. That's not even correlated you know, maybe. <laughs> I might be talking up my ass on that one, but... No, I, if you really think about it, I mean, the shit that they would do to identify people like that was insane, you know, and they did it for a long time, and then they realized, like, well, he might be fucking up here. You know, my wife's not a witch, but they just burned her at the stake, and she burned, so she wasn't a witch. Like, mm-hmm. or they 
tie rocks onto them, throw them in the river, and if they didn't drown, then they'd kill them. <laughs> oh, she's got to be, but she didn't drown. I'm like, you can think about that. And I think the rights, if I'm not mistaken, have to be delivered in Latin, right, to be effective? Yeah, it's not like in the movie. Yeah, you know, I mean, Hollywood has this way of sensationalizing everything, but I th- I'm well, pretty sure. Nobody sh- speaks Latin. Right, I'm pretty yeah, sure that. Very. Yeah, I think you have to, like when you're a seminarian and going through the seminary, I think that's one of the courses they teach is Latin for that right, reason. But Hollywood doesn't reach out to those people. No, no. <laughs> But they, you yeah. know, they do it for dramatic effect, and obviously they want their audience to be following the story rather than reading subtitles. Right. And I don't. I mean, a very accurate depiction is the movie Exorcist. Say it from everything that I've seen and read and been told. Like that's the most accurate depiction of, you know, how it's performed leading up, you know, to that. E-Day, I guess, it's what it's called. I mean, what what scares me about it the most is have you ever really seen an Exorcist movie that was any good that the person lived? No. Mm-mm. And I think maybe that's why they changed it in 1999. Like, how many people do they truly help? Or is it like the placebo effect makes you feel better? You know, it closes the door mentally. Still there. You're still going to have to deal with it one way or another, but closing the doors just maybe, you know, pulling the wool down over it. Yeah, it's scary to think that, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we probably have never seen or never will see that's locked up in, like, the uh, Vatican archives, because you know they've got video of, like, real-life exorcisms that have gone bad more likely than, you know, not. I mean, yeah, I mean, that. I don't even think that all those are even locked up in, you know, the Vatican. I, I think that a lot of that evidence just floats around there, man. Like, I think that you might walk by more people that is in the stages of demonic possession than you think. Hmm. How many people talk about it? Not very many. It's not like a, you know, uh, over coffee kind of conversation. Right. Apparently, there's tens of thousands of cases that come up around the world all the time. There was a case in a, uh, I listened to the audiobook of uh, Malachi Martin, who was a very renowned exorcism in his day. He wrote this book called Hostage to the Devil, and he recounts this one case in there. It's called Girl Fixer is the entity that was tied to this individual who happened to be a man at birth and then transitioned into a woman later on in life. Um, but when he was still a man, he came across a lady that had been like raped in, I think it was in Central Park in New York. And instead of helping her, he was turned on by the event and went home and had some kind of like sexual fantasies. But then later on, he had transitioned into a woman. And in order to feel more like a woman, he sought out Satan to where he went to this seance or ritual where this like dark priest uh had him on this like altar pedestal and was like yeah basically uh raping him while he was saying girl fixer and then there was this orgy of all these people that were there chanting going on and that's how they uh attached the uh demonic entity to him known as girl fixer 
Wow. I mean, how fucked up is that? That you're in this room. Well, how do you even find that? I don't Seriously, know, man. Is there a website for that? I mean, I guess if you you know you seek out something, you're gonna find if it eventually. Go looking for it, you'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. In this day People and age, out there that where, drink blood for God's sakes. Yeah, in this day and age, where information is readily available at your fingertips, I mean, I guess you can find anything you're looking for. But I, I don't think thing that is it just doesn't understand it doesn't resonate with me is is how if you you have faith in something and that's to believe without proof you know there's there's nothing viably provable Hmm. well i'm waiting for god to come make his presence known because something else has made his presence known so does that mean i'm fucked no i don't think so i think you know in the infestation stage that we're talking about here, the first thing that any demonic entity would want, likely want to crush is you, the faith in yourself. Cause that's what, to, you know, props you up every day to keep going through life, trying to, uh, you know, better yourself. Yeah. It, uh, you just get up and make a routine, man. All it is. Mm-hmm. Whether you deal with one thing or another, you just, you gotta keep, pushing yeah. you gotta go to sleep you gotta wake up you gotta repeat yeah and any possession right. is gonna try to disrupt your daily uh, you know habits and lifestyle and try to you know turn you into uh you know basically a vegetable that it can inhabit and have its will yeah i think like i've said many times before too it it makes it you want more you know what I mean? You, you become dependent on that feeling. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's weird to talk about. It's like a know, crutch. Like, oh, get shit. Yeah. It's like a like crutch. You want that really rush. And, it's and in- when you start communicating with it or riling it up and it, it happens and it's like, oh, okay, I poked a bear. One of these days you're going to poke a bear. <laughs> I don't want to know the result of that. Yeah, it's going to poke back, essentially. It's, <laughs> and the, it's, the thing that took him the most by my, you know, and talking with me was the smell, the odor. Mm-hmm. And exactly how I described it to him is exactly how, you know, many other people have described it to him. It was a very similar terminology. It's like a sulfury... I don't know if any of you out there that listen to this have smelled death. It, go smell a dog that's been sitting on the side of the road after about three or four days. And maggots are coming out the side of it. You can smell that rotting flesh from a distance. Now you mix that in with like a real rich sulfury burn like that's, And then you, you start to get like euphoric, you know, and it's and then the next thing you know, it's like your stomach starts to turn and then you get knots in your stomach. You feel sick. And that's when you know something big's coming. Every time that I've smelt it, I've definitely been, definitely knew that, you know, it was off. And that's not something you can, that translates into the video. Like you can hear sounds that you're going through. 
you can see things flying across the room or apparitions, but you're never going to get the smell over a video. It's not, yeah, that's <laughs> the video's a tenth of the experience. <laughs> you know, the video is what you, you know, would expect to see because that's what you see depicted on movies. To be there in the moment at that time, it's, it's a euphoric feeling like, oh, fuck. You know, you, you have that experience, but there's so much emotion. and it, It's hard to, it's hard to put it into a balance. You know what I mean? It's, it's terror. It's excitement. It's, Maybe. it's a euphoria. It's like a drug. And I've said this a hundred times. It's a drug. And when I explained it to the priest like that, he's just like, Maybe it can be summed up by like, you know, that roller coaster you get on and it's building as you're going to the top. And then as soon as you get to the, the pinnacle of the activity, the bottom falls out and you're just nothing but fear as you're plummeting straight down on those tracks. Rocking side to side. Like, yeah. I mean, you've had sleep paralysis. Yeah, that was the scariest thing ever, man. And that happened in my early 20s when, you know, I thought I was late for work. When it was like, I was supposed to be there at like three in the morning, but it was three in the afternoon. And here I am. I can't, you know, I'm awake. My eyes are open, but I can't even move my finger. I'm just laying there, not able to like talk or move or do anything. Right. The feeling of helplessness was all that I experienced in that moment. So, I mean, then another part of it that, I told him, like, do these stupid hot challenges. I'm going to tell you why. Because to get that feeling that, like, oh, fuck, where you actually panic, you eat something super fucking hot. And I don't mean, like, a, a goddamn chili pepper. Go out and buy that tube of terror that's 16 million Scovilles. Eat the whole fucking jar. And you start to panic, like, okay, something bad is, I just fucked up. You know, and you, you start to panic, like, something bad's going to happen. And that shit's so hot, you get that panic feeling, like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. That's, that's the best, the closest way that you'll get to the true feeling of an experience like this. Mm-hmm. Bring yourself to right to the edge to where you're like, oh, fuck, I really fucked up this time. Like, this isn't good. This isn't good. Like, this is bad. Like, it, your, your, your whole state of mind is pure fucking panic. Like, you, like you just, like you're going to die. You know, like you just hurt yourself really fucking bad. I don't know if anybody's ever, you know, been on a bike or something and really gouged yourself or, been playing in the park or no been in a car accident, anything like that. Like when you realize like you broke your arm, you looked down and you didn't feel it yet, but there's, you know, fucking hanging there like that. You get that panic and some people pass out, you know, that's when you go through a real experience. And that's what I was telling this preacher is like, I, I get that panic, like, Oh fuck. And, uh, the best way I can describe that is eat something super hot. Don't go out and do something stupid like put your hand on a goddamn stove or whatever to get any type of feeling. 
if you really want to have an experience to where it's similar to what you really have like a scary experience in life, like do one of those super hot things. Just go out and eat a Carolina Reaper. You'll you'll get that panic going like, oh God, what did I do? What did I do? Was you know, is this gonna hurt me? Like that, and then the aftermath right after it. That's it's very similar. What kind of vibe were you getting from him uh, when you're telling him all this stuff? Were you thinking that he was following your story and believing you, or do you, do you think he was like deeming you as being crazy? I was, you know, I was very transparent with him. Um took in my medicine with me, showed him my diagnosis from multiple different psych evaluations. And I genuinely, in my opinion, felt genuine. And, you know, a lot of the things that the questions he would ask, I think he already knew the answer to. He just wanted to see what I would say. And he kept me in that fucking room and prayed over me, which it made me very uncomfortable. And I didn't really want to sit there and pray with him. I really didn't. It's like, I'm sitting here trying to get advice for you and you want to fucking pray. Like, just save the shit for later. Listen to me. Give me some advice. Hmm. And I think he caught that vibe, too. It was like, and then I started getting real short. You know, and then that's when he gave me some resources because, again, that mental wall went up. And I'm looking at him like, just this isn't a way to get me to come to church every Sunday. This isn't a, this is not the type of conversation I want to have. And maybe you he know, deemed, I, uh, you know, your unwillingness to, uh, go forward with what he was doing in the moment as maybe a symptom of possession. That's pretty much verbatim what he said and that, you know, my unwillingness will, you know, be the cause of anything further that happens. The only way that it'll get better is if I, you know, accept that fact. And I'm sorry, man. It's it's real hard for me to accept that. <laughs> it, it it just sounds too fucking crazy. It does. One of the like, you know, you try try it sometime. <laughs> Go in there and lie to them. I mean, just say, hey, you know, this this type of stuff will happen. He'll ask you a series of questions for sure, and he'll ask you to pray, and he'll, you know, and and. The frequency in which he wanted to pray was off putting to me. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to give you a story here. You know, and I know I keep saying the words in vain, but I'm at that point where it's like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. You know, I, I'm not here to fucking pray. I'm here to get some advice. Praying right now is not what I need. I can pray on my own. I can pray in my bathroom. I can pray in my hallway. I can pray anytime I want. This is not a time I want to pray. And then, as you can tell now, I get real fucking agitated. It's like, even, you know, and that's what he pointed out. He's like, you, your whole demeanor has changed just through me trying to pray with you. Because then, I, you know, I'm going to refer you to some of these references. I want you to look at the steps, and I want you to come back to me or call me on the phone next time is what he told me. Right, and I think you can only confess like certain sin to them. Like if you if you were to go in there and confess to a, you know, killing somebody, I think they would have to obviously alert the authorities. That's not something that they can keep confidential. It's not like a. I don't think they do. I don't think they can. Really? They so can. they kind of got yeah. like a lawyer kind of client kind yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, oh wow! He's the, I didn't know that. The voice between you and God. 
I didn't know if well, they we could imagine keep that. some of the stuff this man has heard. I didn't know if they could keep that kind of uh, sin confidential. No. That's how I got into his office was a confession booth. And like one of the things you alluded to earlier, like a clear cut sign of like possession over mental illness would be like somebody speaking in tongues of an ancient language like Aramaic, which was the uh, language of, you know, Jesus and all them, but you can't find it anywhere. It's not like you could just learn it. So that would be like a clear cut symptom of possession. Right. It's a a dead, you know, language. Right. It's not something very, very few people know. Like Sanskrit is ancient. I I said the right things to get him to personally counsel me, for sure. And having my diagnosis in front of me from multiple psychiatrists, the medicine list that I've been. And do you think that was really helps? Is it leading you anywhere or is it kind of like just a dead end, do you feel? I've always thought it was a dead end. You know, the more research I do, the more it scares me. But maybe that's part of it. Maybe, you know, the stuff that you and I have been looking into might actually open up a door to be able to tolerate it a little bit more or give me some sort of, you know, direction in which way to go with it. I don't know, but I've been stalemated the the dead set for nine years of the level of infestation. Yeah, approaching a decade of just dealing with the the activity. I know it's taken nine years to break me down. Definitely. And it's not so frequent or so much a bump in the night anymore. You know, it's it's elevated chaos on and off. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say chaos. I would say it's more direct. Like focused on you, know, you more than it's more like than mono before. mono type shit now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, and it affects everybody in the house, of course. It's, it's just not me. And you went, um, you've actually they just have the experience. They see stuff. You know, they hear the same stuff. They see the door slam shut. They see, they see that type of stuff. But you know, it's what they don't see when I'm, it's just I spend a lot of money. I'm alone. My and, wife's been gone for two weeks. And you saw that movie, The uh, Pope's Exorcist. Did you see any like similarities with what was portrayed in that movie with what's going on in your life? Uh, I mean, yeah, but not at such a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And did you, you think know, they have to? They have to make a movie in that type of time. Like, I haven't seen the movie yet. It comes out in a couple of weeks on DVD, at which time I'm going to check it out. But do you think that that movie was over Hollywoodized, you know, basically? Or well, do you think it has a Hollywood element to it for sure? But I think it's, it's pretty, it, you know, you have to dive deeper, you know, nowadays than you did last, you know, during the first Exorcist movie. Yeah, so you don't you know, think or it's... any Exorcist movie after that. I think that it was more informative for sure, uh, you know, depicted pretty well. But it's, it, it, again, it's it's never the same. Do you think there's any kind of, it, was, it wasn't true to the story, it's more just kind of portrayed as, you know, Hollywood elements than the story? That's the thing, man. It, what 
what's perceived of one person as a Hollywood production is a real reality for somebody else. Hmm. And that's, that's the mentality that everybody has. So you still think that the uh, original Exorcist is the closest portrayal than even like the most recent releases? I, I mean, as, as far as the way it's gone and how it's done and how it's, you know, the procedure in which that it goes through, I, I think that it's more relatable to that one in real life, the original. Um, nowadays, I mean, that new one that just came out, I mean, the Pope's direct exorcist got possessed. And again, it's because the guy opens doors all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Don't you think it's just a matter of time? It's like, you, you keep doing something long enough, it's only a matter of time before it, you know, derails. Yeah, it blows a little up bit. in your face. Even if it's just a little, it's all it takes. Yeah, but yeah. I've been told, man, and everything that I've seen and read, it doesn't take much. And it's, if you get caught slipping, that's when you get hit. You know, you played football. Yeah. You, you always had to be, <laughs> you had to have that full 360. You had to be listening behind you, and you had to have your eyes that moved all the way, you know, 180 degrees in front of you to get. And even then, you'd still get laid out because you didn't sit. Just take that one second. Yeah, you and play with boom. fire long enough, you're going to get burned. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. it, again, it, the opening the door thing, I, I just, I really think a lot of people have opened the door. Just there's not always something behind it. The uh, and that's what scares me is why. The Exorcist, the beginning was actually really terrifying. That remake they did in the early two thousands of like, you know, the basically the beginning of the exorcism. I found that movie even more terrifying than the original. Yeah. That one was freaky. Oh, when she walked back down backwards down the stairs. No, this this is the one where they uh, they unbury the church out there. They said that that was the spot where Lucifer fell, and he goes in there, and that lady's possessed, and all this like crazy stuffs going on in the caverns below the church. Oh, it was like the prequel. Yeah. Yeah, that one was that really one. terrifying, man. I don't know if there's any validity to that story, whether there really was a truth. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not either, man, because that scared the shit out of me. And, you know, I, I think the Hollywood aspect of it, too, man, is I don't really think people's head turn around. I don't think they projectile vomit. And, you know, like I was saying before, when you're you're going through that experience and you have and you've identified one of the issues that is definitely, you know, something with you specifically, you know, because if you ask my wife and kids, nothing happens when they're, you know, gone or, you know, Kate's been in the same spot for two weeks now straight and she hasn't had anything happen. And I've probably had 50 things happen, you know, and when I'm anywhere for an extended period of time, everyone has told me, <laughs> That shit's happened. Residual after I left. <laughs> and that kind of like leads into what we were talking about earlier about some people being more susceptible than others. Like you seem to be kind of like a magnet for it or an amplifier for activity in certain areas. And, you know, and that's what that, I wish I could say his name. 
and because we're we post this, it just I, I made a promise with him I wouldn't give anybody else. He uh he basically just says it's an attachment. It's you know you carry it around with you everywhere, and you know going through it, you know nine years. It's almost like. I want it to infect people, but I don't to ditch it, if that makes sense. And I know that's fucked up, but I'd rather it be somebody else's problem. But it's for some reason, man, when I go into places that are known for that, I it just I, I have to call bullshit on a lot of them. Because I know what it really feels like, and I know what it feels like to hear a bump, but have nothing happen. You know, it's, it's a completely different level than that. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, kids playing with Ouija boards when I was younger, and it seemed like nine times out of ten, nothing would happen. But then there was this one time where this one gal and her sister came over, and that thing was freaking out. I mean, that thing was saying all kinds of fucked up shit that you know, would, wouldn't would move before with the same group of people. But then when those two ladies came over, I mean, it even, that planchette flew across the room. And I didn't know what to think. I thought people were fucking around, but the now that I look back on it and the look of terror on their face kind of, you know, says that they weren't the ones, they weren't fucking around. It was actually a legit event. Right. I the mean, skeptic to believer video, you saw two that you can't fake that type of reaction. No, they were and terrified. He had his hands on top of his head, like trying to breathe, like, about ready to have a panic attack. Yeah, and the lady, she was trying to do like uh, kind of laughter to disguise her fear. Yeah. Now imagine, I mean, you experienced that when you were a kid. Now, how did that make you feel? You immediately jumped to, okay, they just did that. Yeah, because, you know, I was always a skeptic first before, you know, being a believer. And then you walked outside your patio and looked up and saw lights above Phoenix. Yep. That was so hard to uh, think that that's not real. No, that definitely was real, man. <laughs> and the way they were trying to play <laughs> it off, it, you know, <laughs> saying that you know, you're all conspiracy theorists and all that, which is like led to tr- more truth than uh, conspiracy these days. Our government has come out and said there are definitely things flying around in the sky that are not from this earth. <laughs> you know, and people still are like, oh, God, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, (laughs) you'll never convince some people. I mean, go watch a UFO video and how everyone's like, oh, that's fake, that's fake. It's it's hilarious. (laughs) It's like our own government literally has said, we have proof that shit's not supposed to be doing this. Is it so far off that these, you know, priests and stuff are off? And that's, that's the fucked up thing about it, that, Society today, if you don't fall exactly in line with everybody's beliefs, you're 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 fucking put into a group. Yeah, and some of us that's how we conceal our fear through being a skeptic, man. You try to discount what you're seeing in order not to uh, you know, show your fear. We have what, nineteen episodes on twenty episodes now on lap dances? pretty close it's like 18 or 19 and then i think this is the first time you've told me that story why did it take you so long how many hours have you and i talked 
sometimes you just, you know, you, you file shit away and you don't even yeah. think about it until, you know, you get deep into like we're talking about tonight, exorcism, man. That's, that's definitely a taboo subject that people don't like to talk about because it makes them uneasy. I know. And like, you know how I feel about Ouija boards, but do you see now how it could be different for everyone? Oh yeah. And how close-minded you can be. Like seriously. Something. You never said that story because you probably didn't want to come out with it. Like, oh, okay. Well, You're not that guy. Thank you. <laughs> you know? And if you've seen it, Tim, how did that make you feel oh, during scared. that moment? Scared the hell out of me. Put the man. skepticism behind it. Like, and I think they even, uh, after that event, they took that board out into the living room and threw it in the fireplace. And it almost sounded like that thing was screaming as it was burning. It's just like, I, I don't know. I have a Ouija board hanging up in my studio. <laughs> you know, I just, I've never had it do anything. <laughs> it's never worked on the board. Playing with it, it might piss something off up here, whatever's up around me or around where I'm at. Like, it might piss it off, but it ain't going to come through on that board. But that's my case. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it, it's got to be. I don't think that there are spirits. I think there's demons. <laughs> I think that if that's the early signs, then like I said, man, you're going through something like that. I don't think it's grandpa coming to say hi. And there's definitely de different levels to those boards. Like there's obviously the Milton Bradley one, which is the, you know, nine people out of 10 have that. And then there's like witch boards and then devil boards and all kinds of stuff that you don't know who has done what with. Right. Or the homemade ones that people put some real effort into, the wooden ones that, you know, I, I still think that voodoo and all that stuff. I'm more convinced by voodoo as a religion than I am Christianity. Yeah. You remember that movie, uh, Paranormal Activity? Remember the board mm -hmm. he had in there when she was like giving him a bunch of shit about, you know, buying the best damn Ouija board he could find? Right. And he tried to play it off like, oh, I didn't buy it. I borrowed it. <laughs> like that makes it any better bringing that into your home but going back to think about it i never knew anybody that went out and bought it they always borrowed it really think about that have you ever met anybody that actually went out and bought one when you were growing up it was always that one weird kid that had it yeah i know that uh, we bought one <laughs> when we were kids because you know our grandparents thought it was just you know a board game nothing oh my family yeah. would have lost their mind yeah, and i, I had that why. uh i had that board for a lot of years until i think i was uh in middle school and then uh one of the guys uh he's like yeah can i borrow it i'm like yeah sure i've never had anything happen with it and then I think like a week later, he I was like, "Oh, did, how did the you know it go?" And he's like, "Dude, I had to burn that shit because I had an experience that I don't even want to talk about." He never told me what happened. He didn't give it back. You just burned your board. Yeah, that's what he said. He said something happened that scared him so badly that he just burned the board. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I, me and my my siblings bucked around with that thing for endless hours and never had any. Uh, you know, contact or issues or events, but he borrows it. And then a week later, he said he burned the shit. I, again, <laughs> man, it's, if you open, it's that one split second that you're not thinking it has to be. 
yeah, if the like, Ouija board has any validity, which a lot, dude, I've been talking about it in my parents' home. We'll get me kicked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. That is evil. You just don't. Don't go there. Don't talk about it. My mom found out that I played one when I was younger, and I damn near got beaten to death. You know, she flipped the fuck out. You know, and it was just nothing happened. It was my buddy pushing it around. And he admitted it sometime later, like, yeah, I was fucking doing that shit. Like, and, I, you know, you immediately gum to that. But, you know, when a planchette flies across the room, Tim, I think you would know. <laughs> you know, you, you, you'd have to pick it up and throw the damn thing, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, maybe it's just, you know, a culmination of mind, body, and soul at the right moment to open those doors, and then it's not good. I think you, if you saw a planchette fly across the room, homie, you opened that door. Yeah, I wasn't playing. I was just kind of sitting in the background watching these people play, and I honestly thought they were fucking around. But then now that I think about it, the look on their face of pure terror tells me otherwise. <laughs> but that kind of shit you don't notice when you're a kid. You just discount everything. Ah, you're fucking around, whatever, dummy. Right. You know, and I, I've loved horror movies all my life, so the more, the likelihood of me going out and doing something like that is more, it's higher, <laughs> you know, because I just, I was into that shit. I was, I didn't ever think that I'd have to really go through it. Mm-hmm. And now I, I don't even watch scary compilations on YouTube anymore. It's like, it takes a serious movie to shadow people and when you put me on, you know, you scare the fuck out of me. That's such an underrated movie. It was movie. like deja vu. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's such an underrated movie, man. If people haven't seen it, it's such a good movie, but it'll scare the shit out of you. You won't sleep that night. Is that a, is it a, is it a true story? Yeah, I think it is, man, because you got all those like videos that they you know spliced in there of homemade videos and them interviewing the guy and all that stuff. Yeah, the real dude, and then they would switch back to the actor. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be based on it maybe loosely, but maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's scary to think about, man. <laughs> right? I don't like watching it's, that movie if it's dark out. <laughs> I don't want to watch no, it. No, definitely not. Uh, yeah. People I, can watch it that, on YouTube, judge for themselves. The Shadow People, it's on YouTube. I, I, I don't know if I would say it. what I had is sleep paralysis because I've always been able to to move it's just there's just certain doorways I can't walk through there's just times it's like I'm standing at the door and I'm not about to go anywhere you know I, I don't move because I'm afraid it'll see me I, I mean when you're going through something like that like the first reaction is to pull the covers over your head and not move and hope it goes away but I mean it doesn't you know, it's not going to rip your covers off and tear you to pieces like in the movies. It just, it doesn't go away. It's just and always there. what the there. fuck is the blanket going to do? You know, that's just your mind telling you, okay. That it's scary. always there. I have a blanket. I'm going to pull it over my head. <laughs> it's your mind telling you that it's always there, constantly menacing in the shadows. Right, yeah. And you just you lay there and don't move. You're frozen stiff. Oh wow! I guess that's a good that's, way to put it, man. 
Yeah, I guess that's a good way to end our uh, first session on exorcism in this series that we're going to do. Right on. And we're a little next over, one, we're uh, going to go over uh, step number two. Yeah, we're a little over an hour and 15 minutes. It'll be about an hour and 20 minutes once I play our music out. Unless there's anything you want to add, we'll uh, continue this in the next session. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. See you again next week. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. Stay scared out there. Yeah. Have a good night. Don't let the bed punch by.